Hello, Road Tripping Podcast family. This is Rafael Alcalde. That's the mayor for all the non-Spanish-speaking listeners. I'm the Spanish voice of the NBA champs Cleveland Cavaliers and the producer of this awesome podcast. Actually, my job is really just to make sure that you guys get a high-quality podcast and on a timely manner. But today is a special day for me because as we get ready to root for RJ, Channing, and the rest of the Cavs in their journey towards the repeat, I've been given the assignment to present to you a very special edition of the Road Tripping Podcast. I'm sure you're asking yourself, why Rafa? Where are RJ Chan in a Mack truck? Well, you guess half of it right. They're getting ready to face the Pacers in game one of the first round of the playoff and, in Ali's case, preparing for her in-game duties. But they're also not here because the three of them got their blue apron order yesterday and wanted to experience the first awesome cooking adventure with their families. You see, Blue Apron has really gotten behind the podcast, not only because the guys do an awesome job and you guys also liked it so much, but also because they know that nutrition is very important for everybody, not just athletes. Blue Apron is the best and most delicious way to have a healthy and delicious meal in the comfort of your home with the company of your family. And best of all, no food is wasted because with Blue Apron, you not only get their great recipes, but also the exact amount of ingredients needed to prepare your meals. You really, let's break it up in three steps. One, Blue Apron chefs and farmers work together to make food more sustainable and recipes more delicious. Two, they send you higher quality food at a better value by cutting the middleman and delivering ingredients at their freshest. And three, you cook incredible meals from scratch with perfectly portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes. So all this can only mean one thing. Better ingredients, better pricing, and a better planet for all of us. Well, that's three things, but yeah, you get my point. Visit blueapron.com and get cooking the road tripping style. Speaking of road tripping, and back to why I am so pumped to have been given the opportunity to introduce episode 22, and let me make one thing clear. It is not because two or three of you tweeted that I should talk more during the podcast. On this episode, you will hear from the funniest, coolest, and most likable guy on the team, Channing Fry, a.k.a. Papa Fritas on the Cab Spanish broadcast. He stopped by the Road Tripping Studios to share with you his letter-slash-article that was published on the uh, Players' Tribune this week. I know we all have read it, but hearing it from Channing himself makes it even more special. I'm sure there are different things in the articles, letter, that connect people to Channing. For me, for example, it was the part of how he misses his parents and how he misses talking to them on his way to practice because I do exactly that every day. And it really scares me to think of the day when I have to make that awful drive without mom to Cleveland Clinic Court. Well, again, enough about me. Let's get to the man who was AWOL during episode 13, who will put up with almost any criticism, except when people criticize his J, and who now gets episode 22 of Road Tripping Podcast, all for himself, or maybe Jimmy and Warren Buffett and Captain Something. Señoras y señores, Channing Fry. than I've ever dreamed. I've also had more taken away than I knew, ever knew I could handle. 
During a game midway through the season, I was completely lost emotionally. I wasn't smiling. I wasn't enjoying the game. I was just going through the motions. LeBron noticed that I was withdrawn, and he walked over me during a timeout. Channing, he said. I snapped out of my daze for a moment and looked over at Bron. He looked really serious, no expression. And then he said, did you just fart? I couldn't help but laugh. Everyone knows I love a good fart joke. Everyone on the team, in particular Rich and LeBron, knows how to pull me out of a funk, and they're not alone. When I'm feeling out of it, Kevin brings up his favorite topic, his famous cheese plates. He's like, Channing, you got to come over and check out these cheese plates, man. They're top of the line. They've got more types of cheese than I knew existed. Plus this honey he gets straight off the comb. Portland guys, am I right? James Jones comes over and says, bro, how good is life? We're playing basketball for a living. Shump, well, I have a feeling that sometimes when Shump is wearing a particularly ridiculous outfit, he's doing it just to make me smile. And damn it, it works. Kyle will hit me with the latest, hottest conspiracy theory. It's truly a team effort. They want to make sure that I'm smiling. I'm not sure that they will ever understand what I was going through, but they knew I need, they needed to step in. Even though I've only been here in Cleveland since last season, my teammates have become my brothers. I've never been this close with any other team that I've, I've been on. You'll play hard for your teammates, but you'll run through a wall for your brothers. Also, just for record, I definitely didn't fart. We have a team full of guys with quote-unquote upset stomachs, so who knows who crop dusted us that time. I came into a regular season with a great rhythm off of last year's championship. I was shooting the ball really well. Mind you, these are things that naturally come and go a little bit, but I was in a groove. Then I got word that my mother's cancer had progressed and that her outlook was dire. I was at game two of the World Series with one of my best friends and all my teammates when I got the call. We were celebrating, coasting on the electric energy of Cleveland during that time. We were glowing. Things couldn't have been going better. So getting news about my mother crumbled me, literally to the ground. I rushed back to California to be with her. She died the next morning. That crushed my world. After the funeral, I focused on basketball and my father's health. He had gotten really depressed since my mom's passing, and I checked him on him daily. We were both defeated, our spirits ruined, but I just had to believe that we would get through this together. A few weeks later, he died too, alone in his apartment in Phoenix on Thanksgiving Day. When I got the call, I was at my house celebrating the holiday with my family, Richard and his family, and Birdman and a few other friends. I thought I was going to die. Every day I'm in Cleveland, I have at least a 20-minute drive to our facilities. My parents used to like to get up early, so during those drives was when I'd usually check in with them. My dad would try to coach me like I was a sixth grader. My mom would ask about my kids, and we'd talk about what was going on with her family. That was my daily time with them. When I got back to Cleveland after the funerals, those car rides tore me apart. They became a daily reminder, double daily, actually, because I had to make the trip twice. Also, there was a cemetery by my practice facility, so I couldn't help but think of them. I was losing my shit the entire drive. Music really didn't cut it, and I bet a lot of my friends noticed I was calling them a lot more, no matter if it was 4 a.m. on the West Coast. Listen, I'm a super happy guy, but some days on the court, to be honest, I just didn't have it emotionally. There was nothing in my tank. Many mornings, it was hard enough to get out of bed, not to mention to emotionally invest myself in regular season NBA games. I felt on the verge of tears a few times on the court. Out of the blue, my thoughts would return to my parents, and I'd be overcome with sadness that they weren't out there watching me anymore. I was a wreck. Looking back, the only thing that could bring me out was a heavy dose of love for my family, my teammates, and this city. And the city of Cleveland as a whole has been amazing. I can't explain to you how much the fans help, just knowing that you have all this love and support. I gotta admit, at times it was overwhelming. I didn't know that what was going on in my personal life could affect that many people. I was playing pretty poorly for a while, but the fans gave me space. 
They knew that it was an accomplishment for me even to make it out there on the court and give it all I had, and they propped me up. One thing that really helped me move forward was a podcast I do with Richard called Road Tripping. When Richard and Allie approached me to do it, I was like, why not? I give Richard a lot of shit because I act like I don't want to do it all the time. But it's a special thing. I've learned so much about Kyle and Kyrie and all the other guys that we've had on the show. The podcast has been an incredible way to peel back these guys' layers in a space where they feel safe. How are you going to grow with your teammates if you don't know where they come from, if you don't know their story? For instance, I didn't know about Tristan's upbringing. Like, I didn't know he was dealing with a brother who has a disability. Everyone has their own personal spaces in the locker room, so we don't really have a ton of deep conversations in there. Two things I didn't know that I learned this year was that LeBron and Jimmy Buffett are really tight and that Kyle and Jimmy Buffett are from the same town in Nebraska. Wait, my wife just informed me that who I really mean is Warren Buffett. That's my fault. But you know what, Jimmy Buffett, if you're reading this, I'm a fan. I definitely love some passes of Margarita. You know, that'd be tight. I got here last year, so maybe I didn't have time to learn about everyone's different experiences and origin stories. A really cool thing, every time we're doing a podcast on a plane, four or five guys come over to where we're sitting just to listen. They've allowed themselves to become vulnerable a little bit, and that this has given this team a lot of emotional strength. Investing in my teammates and what they're going through helped me get through the darkest time of my life. So can I talk about my guys for a minute? It's been amazing to see guys like Kyrie and Kevin grow as professionals. With Kyrie, it's rare to find a guy that's that young who's an old soul, meticulous student of the game, who runs old Jordan and Kobe replays on his iPad in order to pick up some of their little moves. Something I come to really admire about Kyrie is he's always computing out there. He's logging everything that happens, and since nobody can guard him, that's scary to think about. Listen, he's a young guy who's going to have his ups and downs. We often forget how young he is. My respect for him has grown astronomically this season. And no, that's not a word playing the whole flat earth thing. <laughs> Kevin, man, Kevin's one of my guys. He's what, he's part of what me and Richard call the triangle. This year, Kevin knows we expect more of him, out of him, and he's embraced that. The more aggressive Kevin is, the more dangerous we are. He knows that sometimes he's the third option, but he's really leaned into the times where he's, he's our first option too. I like to tell LJ, Kevin, and Kyrie that one of them is double-teamed and I miss a three, it's on me. But if they're playing one-on-one and don't get 30, that's on them. And they all take that pretty seriously. Like everything on the Cavs, all the attention comes back to LeBron. A lot of the misunderstandings of this team has to do with LeBron. I think it's because this year he's done a better job of telling us about what he doesn't like. He's gotten some flack in the media for visibly yelling at guys like Tristan, but you name me one team out there where teammates don't argue – Guess what happened after that game? He and Tristan went out and had a, got a glass of wine together. It was like, sorry for yelling at you, but we're brothers, and sometimes that happens. Let's go get a juice box. When it comes down to it, LJ is speaking out of emotion. He wants to win. It's about his legacy. We know we got to evolve to win again, and LeBron is leading that evolution. One of the wildest parts of this ride has been how fleeting the joy of the title was. As an athlete, something that's really hard to balance mentally is maintaining confidence that you're the best team in the game while also addressing your flaws and growing up as a group. Luckily, I know Cleveland is the best place to do that. The fans have gotten a chance to see us as real humans this year, and that has only made them embrace us more. There's been times this year where I wanted to be under the covers or balled up in a closet, but the love and support of the fans and my teammates have made me into something stronger than I knew, ever knew I could be. The fans of Cleveland, I want to say thank you, number one. You all understand that it's deeper than just a game. We are here for a reason. We're here to do something special to create a legacy not only for the Cavs organization, but also for the state of Ohio and the city of Cleveland. Let's enjoy this moment in these playoffs. They won't last forever. Listen, if there's one thing that I know now, it's that it doesn't last forever. 
When the fan base is locked in, it's like Captain Planet. A comparison I'm using, even though all my teammates know I hate Captain Planet. If you take office trash and dump it on Captain Planet, he melts or something. He's the weakest superhero ever. Can I get to my point, though? My point is, our forces combined get the job done, and that includes the fans. You're on this journey with us, so ride with us. Make that arena louder, wear more Cavs beer, be the most annoying Cavs fan possible. We're not taking any of this for granted. Let's make history.